This is Fam Electric Ghost, and we have Kata Dumour. Um, you're in Germany, correct? Yes. Hello. Yes. So you're in Germany, right? Yes. And you are a composer and producer of a sound artist. Yeah. And you you do experimental, industrial, classically influenced um, music. That's correct. And in your in your bio, it talks about how um, you want to work with um, kind of between the crossroads of film and electronic media. Yeah. And you like to work with like dancers and technologists and VJs. Exactly. Yes, I'm very very open to this kind of collaborations, and uh, yeah, I I did some of those, and then we can talk about it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So you were you were born in Warsaw, um, exactly. But you're yes. currently, you know, and in the town you're in is it called Grafeling? How do you pronounce that town in Germany? Uh, it's Grafelfink. Okay, yeah, it's hard for. Oh, American. sorry. <laughs> it's the <laughs> the A with the dots is like a, so it's like Grafelfink. Okay, um, <laughs> so you you started in your in your career. You were in a classical choir. Yes. Um, and then you moved into electronic compositions uh, with found sounds. And maybe we'll talk about what found sounds mean. I think I understand what that is, but maybe our audience wants to know. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you were, you're, you're, since 2013, you're the, the second half of, of a duo called Lich Pause. Is that how you say it? Lich Pause? Uh, we said, we call it Lichtpause. Of course, it's a German name, but it's very interesting how you will pronounce it because, of course, we, you know, we don't want just to be uh, in yeah. Germany active. We would like to, you know, perform. So, Lichpause yeah. is how you say it? Uh, yeah, more or less, yes. And so you were formerly in DMKD, but that you became Lichpause. Uh, exactly. And you write and produce with Quantize is another producer you work with. Yes. And um, and so you, you've been inspired from what it says, like electroacoustical uh, composers, soundscapes, you know, 80s sound, new wave sound. Uh, yeah, so you're in a space and I'm an electronic musician myself, so I'm very much intrigued by what you do. Mm-hmm. Um, that's kind of the space I live in as well. Um, so we're going to get into the questions that we always ask. So I'll start it with. I see that you were in uh, classical choir, but when you first got into music, like what age did you get into music? Um, I think uh, it was gradually happening. So I think as a child, I was very interested in music, just just like that. And mm-hmm. singing was very natural to me. And I think this was the first thing. And as I was, I think, around eight years old, I had uh, a first... Um, like a hearing at at some sort of like a school a school choir, and they uh, qualified me like as someone who has good hearing, good musical ear, and I, you know, was already then like told, okay, you have that ear, and that's something, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, sort of so to say, you qualify for music, like you know. <laughs> very so you focused on your vo- voice as your primary instrument, or did you go on to other instruments as well? Uh, so um, at first, actually, it was like this, that uh, um, I just had that information, and my mom did something very funny. Uh, I think she was a very young mother, and she actually asked me if I want to go to the music school, and I said no. Mm. 
I said, no, I don't, because I thought, because she told me it's going to be so much work. It will be very difficult. And I was like, no, I don't want, you know, I was so small. So how could yeah, I know? Yeah. Um, yeah, how would you know? <laughs> how would I know? So uh, that was really, really funny from my mom's, uh, but uh, it's really just a, a hilarious memory. And I, but I was always, you know, prone to that stuff. So uh, one day I went with my grandpa to some like a little music store and you have to remember this is like uh, somehow uh, Warsaw in the 90s. So like re really yeah. fresh, fresh uh, capitalism, not even really, I would say. Uh, yeah, you might. Uh, and we found like a very small keyboard and I, I got glued to this keyboard. So uh, it was clear that uh, someday I got this keyboard as a present and I was very happy. So actually like some messing around uh, on the keyboard how i call it <laughs> started um, started quite wow. early yeah and and that was just improvising on my own and i never got lessons so again my family was supporting me but then i was just free you know so i was free to explore that and then came the guitar uh, because I really liked uh, Queen, for example. This was my first favorite band. And somehow I was into rock music at the beginning and I really wanted to learn to play guitar. And I did. I, I, I could, again, my family supported me uh, and I learned a little bit like rock, uh, rock guitar playing, but still acoustic guitar uh, with some young musician. Uh, but I was, again, I was like fresh teenage uh, teenager and I was just not really knowing what I'm doing and I also was um, going to uh, like a youth uh, center to learn mm -hmm. classical guitar you know the classical okay. guitar where you have to place your foot properly you have to place your arms properly so I, I did that for one year but I was a little bit suffering you know with all that classical guitar thing <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. Uh, yeah. I talked to an artist a couple of days ago, and she was like, had learned like classical violin, and she kind of got burned out on the positioning because uh, yeah. they were saying they had to have like the hand position in the right way, and yeah, and that would seem to be more important than even like playing the music, and that seemed to like kind of dissuade her from wanting to do it. And it tends to I see a lot of musicians that go into classical and then they kind of get fed up and go into other forms of, of more popular music or experimental music because they want it don't want to be constrained <laughs> exactly um, yes that's the thing so yeah i survived that and i had like last uh, it was finished with a concert so i had to play the concert and then i said no i don't want the classical guitar anymore <laughs> yeah. yeah well you're if you're in the, you, you so this was like the 90s or, or, or... Yeah, this was like the 90s and yeah, and I was more and more, uh, so, you know, and like my influences, like my musical influences are really very broad, I would say, because I then listened to a lot of metal uh, music mm -hmm. and got into some kind of uh, like between metal and electro uh, and, you know, society, I don't know, group of people. So this was quite a funny combination. Uh, and uh, yeah, and somehow in, during high school, I felt that I have to do something with my voice. Uh, so I think I was like 15, 16, I guess. And I found, um, um, you know, an invitation um, at the choir. 
to you know to have a look uh, if 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 you know I could fit into the choir. And uh, I went there, and uh, this was just a, a wonderful group of people. And what was the best about it that we um, we sang, you know, all kind of sacred music, but also you know, sacred and classical music uh, pieces uh, written for the choir. But the the choir itself was very secular, so like was not religious at all. And okay, yeah. yeah, that was very cool because we were basically like a bunch of essayists singing uh, classical and sacred music. <laughs> and that was really great. Um, well, yeah, and... it's interesting because a lot of electronic music, you know, like I'm a big progressive electronic music. My, my heroes are like, you know, Brian Eno, uh, you know, the, the, the Yes uh bernie bernie warrow's sun Ra. i mean i listen to a lot of like experimental progressive you know frank zappa and the mothers of invention that's kind of where i'm coming from um but 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 what's interesting frank zappa used to use a lot of classical mm-hmm, music mm-hmm. In, his, in his band he actually could write music and he was to have he used to actually write music for strings and for full or orchestras to go with his music and I was always very interested in bands that were willing to kind of go beyond just rock and bring other things in, you know, Pink Floyds of the world, things like that. But yeah, that's interesting. What well, you started on a keyboard and, and, and then you went into the choir and then you were still, you know, interested in, 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 you know, rock and heavy metal. So you got a lot of influences, which maybe we'll go deeper into it. Um, but when you're talking about, um, the thing I find interesting is your description of uh, found sounds. Mm-hmm. Can you kind of tell the audience what you mean by found sounds? Yes. So perhaps um, uh, people can refer to uh, also to something like field recordings. Yeah. So yeah, these, yeah. So these are the sounds that we can record from our. Uh, environment from everything that is around us there can be physical objects there can be natural sounds uh, like birds or water or atmosphere anything like that so it can be artificial sounds uh, produced by some object or it can be you know natural yeah something now, like that. I, was li- I was listening to your song from your album the mosaic mm-hmm. and farewell to all and ever mm-hmm. It sounds like there's some very interesting samples or found sounds in that song. Yes, um, thank you. And so are those samples or field recordings? These are field recordings. Well, I like that. I really like that because I'm kind of like an old school guy. I mean, I'm, I'm big into like the 70s and, you know, the band Yes mm-hmm. um, actually went into a forest and did a field recording on Close to the Edge. Oh, yeah. Um, it's actually the sounds of a forest. Actually, is a field recording that starts that album, <laughs> and so I've always been very interested in bands that do that or artists that do that, and so it's interesting to see you doing that um, with a field recording. I find that very, very, very cool. And they, I kind of segged into it just because you, you know, we we talked about what the definition of found sounds, and then when I was listening to the mosaic, I really heard that in in the farewell to all and ever. Thank you. That's, really uh, like. Yeah, I'm very happy that you that you liked it and that you could hear it. Yes. So um, I really like to um, I think this one was some outside sound, maybe bushes or something like that, but I'm not mm. sure. 
I will keep it as a secret. <laughs> so, yeah, it's really cool how you used it. <laughs> uh, I, you know what I do? I really like to use granular synthesis. Um, oh, you use granular synthesis. That, yeah. That's an interesting. So I'm more of a subtractive and additive synthesis guy. Mm -hmm. I've never really gotten to granular. I don't really have any machines that can do it yet. <laughs> um, but, but it's cool that you're doing it. So what kind of granular synthesis um, tool are you using? Um, I'm using a software uh, synth, a plugin from um, uh, oh, new, new Arts. It's called, let me see. I will have a look at my, uh, my laptop. That's cool. Uh, and it, but it's called Granite. Wow. Yeah, so um, I've actually been I've been looking at some hardware machines that do it. Mm -hmm. I'm more of a hardware guy. Yes. Um, but but yeah, I, I I appreciate you know anybody tool that anybody uses, but that's interesting. You're the first electronic musician in three years that's actually brought up granular synthesis. So maybe you can tell the audience like what 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 is what goes into doing granular synthesis as a musician. Mm -hmm. So I found the name. It's a New Sonic Arts. Uh, it's a very small um, manufacturer, I think. And uh, yeah, I, I especially like this one. It's uh, the, the granite. Mm. So basically, um, but for example, in Ableton, you uh, I, I don't know if granulator. I think if it's the new. Um, like version. a plugin or version which they have plugin. now. Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure with which package it comes uh, with, but um, so basically the uh, granular synthesis uh, takes, you can load a sample into this kind of plugin or, or a device. And then uh, this device, this plugin will have uh, slices and will slice the, the sample that you load in to a very tiny, we call grains. That's why granular synthesis. Oh. Yeah. And yeah, so, yeah. therefore, you, where you play, where you press the button, or you, you can either play it by, let's say, in the plug, case of a plugin MIDI. with MIDI, yeah. or you, yeah. can, uh, you can let it just uh, play on its own. Because, uh, for example, some plugins, they play continuously. So, until you don't switch the plugin off, the sound is going on. Right. So there are, but there are two settings. So the settings can be always adjusted. Um, and yeah, and what's interesting is that you can then set the, uh, the length of the grain or the size of the grain. Uh, mm -hmm. And uh, with that, you will have with any small setting a very different sound quality. A very That's interesting, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Because I, I actually saw a demo of somebody using a granular hardware synth and it had like a screen where you could actually see the grains and you could actually like physically on this like really big screen actually really map it out. Um, but weird, I think I have a machine that does some, something somewhat similar on my Eurorack. I have a mm -hmm. Make Noise Morphogene, which is a Eurorack sampler that actually does like splices and genes and, and and it can actually time warp, but it's all hardware. You can't see anything other than it's all you know. It has some visual cues with color, mm -hmm. but but since you can't physically see the wave, all you can see are these color indications of what you've got. You can do like a three minute sample, and then you can change the gene size, and you can morph it. You can time shift the beginning to the middle, to the end, to the middle, to wherever point, and 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 play with it. And I do. I tend to sample my my own songs, 
and then I re- bring them into the sampler and then do all this morphing mm-hmm. that I think ends up doing basically granular synthesis to a Eurorack module. <laughs> that could be, but, yeah. But yeah, it's cool, it's cool um, what you're doing though with, with, with the field recording because then you can actually play it as a chord. Can you actually play a grain as a chord or just a single note? I, I think yes, you can play a chord. It's quite. You, you, then you have to be careful. You know how big is the sound and how, how, how what. How, yeah, yeah, how big the sound is. Yeah. But yeah, I think yeah, it's, it's probably, possible. You know, yeah, it's probably a little more uh, controllable with single notes than chords, because then it can probably maybe go beyond what you want. Exactly. <laughs> if you if you open it up to like a, a complicated chord, like a five finger chord, then it might go a little. Well, maybe you'd like the result, but maybe it's less controllable. Um, yeah, but that's really interesting. Um, kind of went off there just because we started getting into the details of your music but um in terms of your influence and influences and reference points if we were going to say uh talk about the artists that inspired you Mm -hmm. that maybe people who would know who are artists um or or even like a literature or or, who inspires you in your music Mm -hmm. so um yeah, it's a long story from the beginning because I had so many uh, broad in- inspirations, and when I I was thinking like how to how to start answering that question, and again I have to refer to my mom, because I think she's responsible for bringing uh, the music, for example, like uh, Vangelis or Jean Michel Jarre oh, to me. Yeah. And uh, she she was the one who was buying music uh, like that, and we you know she listened to it at home, and so I think that was the I loved that music, I loved the atmospheres. So I think that was my subconscious, although I liked uh, rock music at the beginning and some you know heavy metal, but that that music was really something that took me you know in a different place, and I guess that was the starting point, you know, where where my my somehow. In, inside <laughs> feelings were going towards electronic music and uh yeah cause you like you like to do like instrumental electronic music less so than than maybe like synth wave or new wave where you actually have vocals or like more traditional um you know, like maybe you know popular music structures you're more into the expansive or ambient sound experimental music side of electronic music yeah yeah i I think so um so naturally somehow um yeah i I was just exposed to so many things and then uh i really liked uh, as i mentioned like bands like queen or u2 for example was a big influence to me and i think that gave me um, this, uh, you know, a good feeling for a song structure, although I'm deliberately not doing it in my music yet. But I'm really, as, as you know, the, the band DMKD, like we wrote uh, songs so that there is more of a, of a normal song structure. And that... Yeah, yeah. Is that the current, your current work is this, like, well, I guess I'm focusing because it's like 2020, but yeah. I am going to link to your older work. Thank you, thank you. Um yeah, and uh, I think in the future, I'm actually, um, I, I think I will do more of some more song structure things. And, you know, uh, just to see. So will, what, will you kind of merge, will you merge what you did with DMKD, what, what you're doing with Lich Pause? Something like that. Or like the Kata like, Dumur sound. Like, like, yeah. like, 
the experimental sound with uh, with like a more of a song structure so i'm working on that now and yeah. i hope like next year i can bring that out um it'll be like a hybrid yeah it'll be a hybrid of both styles and then so people can because a lot of times like some some music fans they can't handle things that don't have vocals that's and true you, 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 you end up being in a niche market you know if you don't have vocals then you get well you're in the edm or you're in the amb you know, ambient music or experimental music, you can't get into the pop charts or the bigger charts because they, they, they perceive that that's a smaller audience. Um, but, but you know, once you add vocals, then suddenly you're opening yourself up to a bigger like, um, world of, of fans. Um, so then bands will try to go into that. But it's interesting you mentioned you too, because I'm a big fan of oh. uh, The Unforgettable Fire and what, what Brian, Brian mm -hmm. Eno did with the band. And even like the edge, it's really interesting what happens when you're a young kid, like the edge and, and the rest of the band, they didn't really get formal training. Mm -hmm. And so you two is a really good example that you, if you're somebody that just has a lot of passion and you come up with your own style, they built their own style of music that doesn't sound like anything else. I mean, the other bands have tried to copy them. I mean, cold Absolutely. Play, but, um, you, I mean, yeah, the edge. It, it, I, I saw a documentary where he showed this big rack of, um, you know, sonic um, manipulation that he uses on his guitar. And he would show, well, the root of what I'm doing is this the two is like it's like an interval. But because I run through all these effects, it sounds like way more complicated than what I'm actually doing. And, and what I used to love about the what I love about the edge is that he takes very simple phrases and simple structures on his guitar, but he runs them through all these effects and creates sounds that nobody would have even imagined. Exactly, um, yes. You know, I remember that and documentary. It's very, it's very progressive. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's very progressive. It's, 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 it's just as progressive as listening to like Sun Ra or listening to Coltrane. I mean, it's very innovative to take something simple and then make it complex or take something complex and it seems simple. I've always been drawn to musicians that can do that. I think that's the the main thing, you know, like with years and years, I, I had many years like when I was thinking, oh, how to figure this out, you know, what's the correct way to write music or how it's supposed to be, you know, in the correct way. There is no correct way, right? But then you find it out yeah. after after many years that, yeah, you just have to do your thing. You just have to let your feelings speak yeah. and then it comes. And uh, But with all the bands that I like, or the, 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 the people, and the artists is that I see sometimes really simple phrases uh, but often simple phrases put together they give something powerful you know they bring a special rhythm or they give uh, they bring a special harmony but they are themselves very you know they're just sometimes three notes two notes and it's not you know more is not necessary yeah, it doesn't have to. I mean, I, I get into when you see like an Eddie Van Halen or, you, you know, you get a heavy metal classically trained guitar players that can do these amazing runs mm -hmm. and they're very complicated. But then I, I, I go back and I'll listen to like Lead Belly or I'll listen to Hendrix. I'll look and listen to Stevie Ray Vaughan. And there's something about having a, a simpler phrase that has like more kind of raw emotion to it. And it might not be lightning fast but it has a lot of power in its emotion. Um, 
and and that's why I've always been kind of drawn to like uh, I, I have a lot of modes, mm-hmm. and I've been very drawn into electronic music because of Moog. You know, Moog is one of the first you know guys to ever build electronic instruments back in the fifties, and I've been lucky enough to collect a bunch of Moogs. And what I found about them is they because they're hand built, and they're you know these electronic instruments that kind of live and breathe. I mean, when you turn them on, they take like twenty minutes to warm up. Mm-hmm when you first start playing them, how they behave when they're not fully warmed up is different than how they behave when they are warmed up. And so they just kind of provide you inspiration in the, in their kind of variability nature that they're not always going to sound the same from day to day, from hour to hour. And, and as a musician, you can kind of use that um, in a way to be very improvisational. And I, that's, I've been very much focused in the last couple of years. I had a lot of digital since I had lots of Rollins. I still have them, but I've been diving into analog just because I like the nature of um, being able to create my own pads and my own patches uh, from scratch and just kind of reinventing the wheel all the time. Uh, and just the capabilities you have with like an LFO. If you take a low frequency oscillator, you can make it seem like a sequencer. You know, if, if you know what you're doing with, with the waveforms and the envelope generators, you can actually create patterns without using a sequencer. You can actually have the waveforms create patterns through the envelopes and the LFOs and, you know, through, through like random voltage generators. And I, I've been very focused in the last couple of years of doing that type of experimental music. It goes back to the mm-hmm. 50s with the first electronic music, but I, I like what you're doing with your field recordings kind of goes back to that as well. And then the way you put, put things together in your music, I, mean, I hear a lot of progressive kind of concepts. Thank really you. Cool. Thank you. Yeah. That's the beauty of, of uh, the hardware and, you know, tangible things is that they, they are unpredictable and, you know, sometimes millimeters that you move are, you know, create something different. That's, so cool. Yeah, I mean, the slight turn on a dial on a Moog has exponential effects. So if you just turn the low-pass filter a tiny bit and then you turn the resonance just a tiny bit, you can get wildly different behavior. Um, and it's it's that kind of variability or capability that just like inspires the artist. You know, like what you're doing with um, the, the ability to do the granular synthesis is, is similar to what you can do on a subtractive synth if you've got like a very complicated subtractive synth that has a lot of capabilities, has tons of LFOs. You can do all this minor tweaking on any of the, the dials or the sliders and it suddenly becomes <laughs> very significant. <Yeah. laughs> so it's interesting. So you say the granular synthesis, is, is that your preferred method or do you mix it with like FM synthesis or additive synthesis and subtractive or are you really diving into granular more um i i actually like to um write music i think so i'm very midi um so i like to have good melodies although they are quite experimental mm-hmm. or like good pads and then um i'm looking for a sound and i'm like not really thinking which technique I'm using for it. So with granular, I know exactly that f- because it's very good for textures. Therefore, I will I will use okay. the granular synthesis for textures. Um, however, sometimes you can get a very interesting outcome, which can be very rhythmic. And then it can be part of the rhythm. 
So I, I like to experiment when I feel that there is a sound that I can get a lot out of it, then I will, you know, focus more on granular. But usually I'm focusing yeah. on like writing music, even with a plain grand piano sound, and just to have like the kind of yeah, yeah. harmony and vibe that I want. And then I'm tweaking and then rather I think I'm working with effects. So I think I like to automate effects. Um, I like to work with delay and to make very short automations on the delay. And, yeah. uh, and you know, some un not obvious filter movements or sweepings or uh yeah yeah like low do you like like high pass or low pass do you have a preference i know a lot of people they'll, they'll, they'll constantly use like ladder mode like ladder filters mm -hmm. but then you know you've got state variable filters you've got low pass filters you have different specific filters that came from like profit or filters that were on like arps and different sense other known filters have certain mm -hmm. characteristics do you have any kind of particular filter characteristic that you like more like a profit five filter versus a curtis filter versus like a mode filter do you have specific preferences? no i actually don't um i try to do you know everything very intuitively so um i'm rather thinking like trying to listen what what i want to achieve uh, when you know the song takes me somewhere the track takes me in, in some place and then i'm thinking mm -hmm. okay i would like that to be more you know to expose more of high frequencies or expose yeah. more lower frequencies or i need that or that and then i you know then i search for the right tool so uh, okay so every song kind of kind of like what i've talked to is like sometimes i like to service the song because i get a song and I could say, well, I only use low pass filter, but then suddenly in this song, mm -hmm. I'm using a high pass filter. It's kind of like, well, it's whatever the yeah, song needs, yeah. you know, because I kind of feel, feel like to me, the music kind of comes from the muse. You know, I'm a big fan of like Victorian poetry and that kind of idea. They like William Blake kind of felt there was like this muse coming through him that he was feeling like all these things that made him write all these like epic poems. And he was kind of like, like, like a lot of artists sometimes feel like the universe kind of talks through them and they can keep tap into it. And when you get into a song, you kind of get in a trance where you kind of get in this kind of vibe, like it kind of comes from somewhere and it starts to fall in place. And you're like, wow, I didn't really, it kind of is showing exactly. me the path. Like, like as I start to build it, there are things that are coming into it that that particular song is going to have these characteristics and the next song might not. It just, that song needs this, so I'm going to do this, you know. And it's exactly, just that's the thing. So, <laughs> yeah, it may be Muse, it may be The Zone, or <laughs> something, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah whatever helps. Know. Yeah, yeah, it's weird. It's just interesting what what you pull in because it's like I, I hear people that will go and say, "Well, I only like to use analog, or I'm into digital, or I use like uh, wave tables. I kind of use whatever is going to work, right?" So. You know, I've got a teenage engineering mm -hmm. OPC. Oh, yeah. a digital set. But then I got my modes and I've got my PCM sense and I've got my samplers. And it's like, you know, I've got my grand piano. It's like sometimes I might just start on a grand piano and it's going to be cause my keyboardist. So sometimes like keyboardists in electronic music, initially we, they used Hammond B3s, you know, and they used like, you know, clavichords, they used pianos. And then they would, you know, layer the sense on top of that, but you kind of start with the piano or the Hammond 
because you know those instruments can do the chords and initial synthesizers were only monophonic so if you wanted to have a chord you had to use like a Wurlitzer or a Hammond B3 to be able to do the chord because you know a Moog mini Moog yeah. can't do a chord you know until you until you got to like Prophet Fives or you, you got the Yamaha GX like three years like the the you know the big big um, polyphonic sense of, of, of in the seventies. You you couldn't do chords on a synth. You could only do leads or bass lines, uh, and then you know uh, things opened it up. And the DX seven came, and Jupiter eight came, and you know all these like you know polyphonic synths came. But everybody now because you can use MIDI plugins and all kinds of you know sound modules you know on their Mac or their PC and replicate like everything yeah <laughs> but 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 i'm kind of a purist i still like hardware sense just because i feel that they can provide you something that the software can't and maybe i'm not right about that maybe i just that's my preference but i kind of use whatever i can you know if i have something in ableton that i want to use i'll use it but 90 percent of the time i'm using a hardware sense um so do you have do you have certain preferences for when you want to use like an acoustic instrument versus using a digital? So I um, uh, recently I decided I need more uh, interaction, uh, you know, more hands-on, uh, tangible, you know, feeling uh, when I make music. So I decided like MIDI controllers don't give me that. Uh, really, so uh, actually in this powder in this new project with Quantize, we uh, are working now with Roland machines. So this is something, it's, it's still digital, but, uh, you know, we have Roland 707 and TR-8S, but it's already, yeah. Oh, yeah. How do yeah, you like the, those? Do you really like, I heard that the MC-707 is a really good groove box, kind of like an Akai. MPC. Yeah, I, I think it's you know, even you know, better. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I think... Uh, yeah, well, I, I, I'm a rolling guy, and so I would always say the rolling yeah. is probably a um, <laughs> I think it's great, you know, um, you, you can really make great sounds on it. It has it has a lot of stuff, too. You can you can really make, um, create your sounds and uh, uh, tweak them, and you have effects and many, many things. You can lay out the song. Um, we also... We had, like, a Zencore... It has a Zencore synth engine in it, right? So you actually exactly, do exactly. Synth, so right? this is really, really great. There are also um, nice things which you can do with TR8S. It's thought more as a drum machine, but I always like to use the machines against this what they are designed for, <laughs> or at least I'm trying. So yeah. we um, <laughs> try to do yeah, more than what it was designed for. We were thinking for. <laughs> like maybe it's more like a trigger for longer samples, or maybe for um you know yeah some... that's a good idea like using a drum machine to trigger samples that are triggered lfos yes, and other yes. instruments is a is a is a cool thing because you you can i i found that i actually started using my sampler to trigger my drum beats on my analog drum machine so i'll take a sample and then i'll use the cv out to actually take that rhythm pattern and have that actually create the rhythm pattern mm -hmm. on my drum machine which I found is like, well, that ends up doing mm -hmm. something I didn't expect. And, and it ends up, you know, and I, I, I it, when you take something that wasn't supposed to be what you were doing, you know, it's always good to kind of, you know, 
take something and use it for something else. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> they give you a different different way of doing it. And experimental musicians always go and say, well, I'm going to break that rule. I'm going to do this. I'm going to use it for what it wasn't supposed to be for. I'm going to use it for something else. And and that's always, yeah. I think that's cool when people do that. Brian Nino. Again, Brian Nino. Yeah, you know, <laughs> those are the classics. That's why yeah. we like them. Yes. Uh, and yeah, and recently yeah. during our terrible, uh, you know, pandemic, um, being at home many weeks, I thought, okay, a long time I wanted something portable, but um, also like very fast, you know, some instrument that I could use fast, that I don't have to plug in uh, my computer, that I don't have to plug in the MIDI keyboard, you know. Well, you want yeah, like something like that? I, yeah, I, I see more and more people are saying they want standalone machines because even when you go to do a performance sometimes i've seen guys have to have two or three laptops as a backup because mm -hmm. they glitch you know so if you have a laptop and you're running ableton live and it glitches it totally ruins your performance but if you're using a hardware synth they don't usually glitch you know so i've been a big like what i used to do with an old technique is back in the 70s bands like the who like on barbara o'reilly and it won't be fooled again there's a there's an analog sequence mm -hmm. right and what they did is they put it on real to real tapes and when they went to do the performance they run that sequence off a tape machine because the tape machine was the only way to get that analog sound to be the same every mm -hmm. time. <laughs> um and, and so what i do is i use the zoom r24 digital recorder it's a hardware recorder and I'll record like an analog sequence. And if I have to do a show in New York and I've got this analog sequence that I can't exactly replicate, but I want it to be the same, I'll just have it running off my R24, which is far more stable than any laptop, you know, because it'll, it'll just run it. It'll never, never, mm -hmm. never have a problem. And then I'll play over it. And so there's, there's ways that you can, I, I've always liked hardware um, just because it's portable and easier to control. And I can put my ideas down without having to go and sit down on a grid. And, you know, I'm more, more of a guy, like, I'd rather play it than put it mm, on the grid. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, so I'd rather just put it down onto a tape machine and then overdub and then, you know, do it on the tape machine. Because I have all my sense around me. And if I have all my sense around me and I have my tape machine, I can just keep on overdubbing and putting tracks on top of tracks. And I kind of just let it be more like old school 70s recording which allows you to kind of just do whatever you want you don't have to worry about the quantize you don't have to worry about it not rendering right because it just takes the sound as it is mm -hmm. what you hear is what you get <laughs> and sometimes in electronic music you don't want it to get ruined by the by the by the That's render true. Because some programs, like, if you don't have enough memory, it won't render right. Yeah, that's true. And this usually <laughs> happens at the live, uh, live set. You know, it never happens at home. But as soon as you're out there, it does. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So if you use, like, you know, a, a, a board type of recorder, like a Behringer Wing or a Cascam 24, and you actually have it on an SD card that's inside of these machines, they're hardware machines, there are musical instruments and they tend to be far more reliable than any computer. Uh, so if you put your tracks on machines like that and then you play over them, 
you don't get the same kind of problem, then I have like, you know, real time mixers that I can alter that signal. I can go and take a signal coming from my my recorder mm-hmm. and then run it through a bit crush. And then I changed it real time or run it through a roller or run it through a delay or run through my modes real spring reverb. And in doing stuff like that, then you become like a DJ, but you're doing mm-hmm. DJ stuff with hardware sense. They're far, far more. It's actually like you're really playing. Yeah. Because you are. <laughs> and, and, you know, you actually are playing instruments. And so when you do the performance, it's not like you just, not to put down some guys, but like they're not, you're not just jumping up and down on, yeah. and there's a CDJ and you're pushing a button. Um, you're actually manipulating Mm-hmm. a control that's musical um so you're actually like like if you were a guitar player bending a note you're you're doing something similar um so it feels more real <laughs> at least to me yeah it has <laughs> the feeling you know of the touch it's not that at all, all automated mm-hmm. yeah i think so i think more yeah i think more and more musicians i talk to are trying to bring a performance aspect to their music when they play live so are, are, so when you do play live are you are you trying to do more performance actually physically playing or is it more about like or audio visual and you want to you know make the song is you know be the same song so then you can't really play it exactly if it's been pre-recorded so have you kind of run through like when you do shows are you doing like live performance or are you doing more like the um, rather live performance um but i um so i use ableton and i use also machine jam so this is kind of unusual um but yeah for like uh, mm-hmm. the reasons of uh, how expensive was the push i still didn't decide to buy it um and i somehow i found machine jam mm-hmm. quite interesting i think i yeah i bought it i think two years ago something like that yeah really You've good, been able to get it to um, work pretty good for you. yeah to 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 you know map the stuff um and it's it's quite well mapped and to map defects for example the the touch strips uh with the right effects enabled and it's very mm-hmm. easy so um that that was really uh, no effort and i'm trying to recreate the songs but i also try to play around so and also like i exercise like i i make rehearsals but i don't focus that much of on if the song is exactly you know clip by clip especially oh, yeah so you try to you you experiment a little bit, you do a little improvisation, uh, yes, you don't do exactly. I, I like to improvise. I keep more or less the, the the structure probably, but not even sometimes not really. So I just, not everything exactly. Not so um, I'm just playing around with the clips. And um, for the last uh, live set that I did, I decided to, for example, completely change the song. So like to take the melodic parts of the songs uh, the tracks, but I decided to go for completely different drums, uh, meaning rhythms. So I I decided, yeah, to 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 go uh, to be towards a yeah. different rhythmic, and instead of having um, uh, I don't know very sim- simple rhythms, I decided for some more complex or some break break beaty, you could call it uh, uh, stuff. And uh, I also then like to tweak the um effects 
So this is. A... Do you like to use your seven oh seven and your TR eight? So use this, those live uh, this is because recording? the project Lispausa is very very new, and we just we started with the idea started a year ago, and we did a live performance, but this was not yet that what we really wanted to achieve. Um, that we are still not, we still mm -hmm. were not performing with these machines, but these are our machines for this new project where we want to use them uh, as well, like for, yeah. for recording, music creation and then live performance. So the, that, that was the benefit that we saw at the beginning that we can uh, make, make music on them and then yeah. uh, have it faster ready for the live show. But that's not true because we are so demanding in the song yeah. creation and we have different ideas and we need external samples because we work with old movies, so basically we, for this project, we wanted to be very audiovisual. So for, for my own, for Kata Dumour, uh, mm. uh, live sets, they are very just uh, simple music live sets. But for Licht Pause, we want to, this is why the word Licht is like, it means light in German. But the, the, whole, the whole world, uh, the whole word means okay. uh, like um, a blueprint. It's basic the the, the the German word for blueprint. Oh, blueprint. So um, we want to have it somehow uh, really uh, integrated with uh, visual side, and this is why we use a software called Resolume. And uh, oh, so that ties in yeah. exactly to your track. So if you're running it through Ableton, uh, exactly will that's the that's the thing, and we can actually video. synchronize Resolume direct directly with the. Uh, uh, 707 or TR, I guess. Yeah, we, yeah. Oh, the CR7 yeah. allows you to do that. Through I think we, uh, it's, it's possible. No, cool. And, uh, yeah, and so we are using, for example, films from public domain. Uh, yeah, and I think you could see this on our oh, cool. Instagram uh, account. It's very fresh, yeah, very, seen, very few things there. But uh, yeah, it's this is a very exciting project, and we we are really looking forward to like put out music. And this is the target that we we start, you know, to publish. Uh, we are doing self publishing, and that we you know we get ready with our live show, and then it will be really uh, audiovisual experience. This is this is the target for it. Um, and unfortunately, we wanted to you know have a start in October this year, but probably it will be not possible. So, but we said, okay, yeah. next year, fine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, like all my live, all the yeah. live shows I wanted to do in New York that aren't really gonna happen. So I've been um, changing it so I do performances on Facebook Live and Twitch from my bedroom studio. <laughs> yeah, if you see my, my Instagram, you oh, probably yeah. see my purple light <laughs> in my bedroom. <laughs> and and I, and I do these like all my mugs and stuff. I just play these live shows, um, um, but yeah, I mean it, it's not the same as going to New York and playing in New York. But yeah, that's what yeah, we I, have. I do to what do. I can. <laughs> um, so so that, that kind of goes into the whole thing with the, mm -hmm. the questions about Corona. That if you had live shows and they got postponed, you're not gonna be able to play them. Are you thinking of? trying to hook up with some of the there are some companies now or are, are, are people on the net that are doing live performances where they're doing these um kind of mm -hmm. like little online festivals and they'll run like four or five bands for like two hours 
and every band's doing like a 20 minute set from their, from their, from their home studio and able to kind of get, get out there. Um, so have you looked into that or are you going to do your own type of performance? Or you gonna so I actually would like that? to do it on my own um, because I'm not playing live uh, that often, not really. And that's why I, I'm not, uh, and, you know, experimental music is difficult. <laughs> so uh, I think in our genre, go. it's rather, uh, yeah, the offer that we can put out there. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm looking into it, um, a little bit getting ready, but still, um, I didn't prepare anything, but I would really love to, I would really like to do this, yeah, yeah. uh, in next weeks. Um, yeah, would be very cool. Yeah, there's a lot of cool, I mean, like, I've been actually, for, as an artist, for like three years, I've been doing like mm -hmm. Facebook live performances from my studio. And I, and I just, um, I did a simple thing with a, like a Roland Go mixer on a tripod, you know, linked up to my Zoom mixer and I can get a pretty good audio and a pretty good visual off an iPhone. And, uh, you know, I've been, in, you know, I've been able to kind of get away with it for a while. And I've, I've been increasing my capability by getting better cameras and better gear and better mics and everything. But it seems now it's a good time to invest in, capability oh, yeah. to do like multiple camera shots like all kinds of devices that allow you to have like integrate like three phones and get three camera shots in in the in the habit got swapping different angles while you're playing automatically and so when you're in your bedroom playing you can have one camera focus on your keyboard or focus with your hands another camera from further away and another camera from another angle and they'll all kind of switch around and um and you can even control it if you want to. But yeah, there's a lot of cool things that you can do today that don't cost as much as they used to to actually do it. And you don't actually have to have a cameraman or there's some automation and the things that you can do. So it actually is a whole new world where if you want to get out there and do live performing, it's more. Yes, possible absolutely. It's so much it easier now. Um, or even, you know, even to yeah, yeah, record exactly. the performance and. Um and stream it like that record it this could be also an option or you know just put a video out there yeah 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 you can actually if you want to make it perfect you can pre-record it and then push it up to youtube or push it up to twitch they the twitch does have the ability to upload video if you have a certain level account um so there's there's, there's all kinds of cool things you know i i tend to do kind of kind of like um you know, stream of consciousness, live jamming um, is how I do stuff. Um, and so when I do my mm -hmm, shows, mm -hmm. I kind of just go yeah. out and jam. <laughs> and so that's what I feel. Well, you know, if I'm going to do it, I'll just give the fans something different because I'm just going to go and just do like a, a practice or a rehearsal and, and live record. And so that's, and I find it's a certain, my fans like find it interesting to see that. Some artists are like, well, I don't want to put something out that's not perfect. So then it kind of oh, depends yeah. on what kind of artist you are, what you're willing yeah, to that's deal true. with <laughs> in terms of how, how people see you and see your work, if you're confident enough to do it or not do it. But um, so have you, you, I know you collaborate within your, you have like a collective that you work with, right? Um, you work with a, a group of electronic musicians, right? You, you have. Um, so you mean, them. do you Here's mean like the, the meetup? Thing. oh yeah 
Yeah, that meetup. That, that seemed like yeah, like so it's, it was rather a, like a, a true meetup. So we, we we used to meet and talk about music and, uh, you know, show each other's productions and comment on them or we were talking about hardware, software. So this was more of, um, I would say, yeah, meeting with peers and exchange. Yeah, so it was not... Yeah, it was more, more like a support group. Yeah, something like that. That's cool. But have you thought of, um, like, I know in Berlin, there's a big electronic music scene that goes back to when, mm-hmm. you know, and Bowie and, you know, Kraftwerk were there. Do you guys, are you in that scene? Do you, like, participate in, in the scene that's out there? Or is there a well, new so scene in Germany? I think it's like this. Uh, in Munich, um, how should I say? I think it's a little bit different. And actually, I'm now more uh, involved with, uh, like, female groups or, like, feminists. Uh, and this is quite, you know... Um, getting more popularity here um so um, but i tend to be the person who is doing the workshops so i'm i'm rather like teaching ableton for example or i'm teaching some creative techniques and rather than um okay. and you, yeah like actually collaborating actually something like that uh, many of my friends are djs and they have um, there are some DJ collectives, but I'm not really seeing, at least in Munich, uh, something like a collaborative um, music making. Oh, so you're not getting like a, like seeing like a scene where like there's other bands like yourself yeah. or other artists like yourself yeah, I... that want to like jam. Like I grew up like in the punk era, right? So when like the Sex Pistols and the Clash were around, so in my basement I go. We'd go grab another couple other punk bands from around oh, the corner, so awesome. yeah. and we'd all kind of jam. Um, and and kind of like where I came from is kind of this punk aesthetic where I, you know I was into playing, you know, like 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 you know Sex Pistols, uh, you know, I would say like uh, <laughs> bands like uh, New Order, uh, you know, that type of thing. That was I was really into oh, this is my mode. favorite I was, band. I was into that kind of <laughs> when punk punk became. <laughs> When punk kind yeah. of went from Joy Division, uh, from you know to to, to yeah. like the those new are my favorite bands. I really, I love the Pesh Mode. Uh, I actually did. learned so much from them with time. You know, listening to more and more of of the music. Yeah. it's interesting that you mentioned um, like that you are reusing your songs, um, and you you tweak. You know, you you process your own songs and create something new from fragments, for example, of your songs. Uh, if I understood correctly. Yeah, and I see yeah. that, for example, uh, in many Depeche yeah. Mode, uh, you know, songs, you, you hear that snippets, you know, you hear that pieces where uh, they would reuse, you know, some parts. And they were really good at that. Yeah. They were very good at. Re- yeah, doing and that. I they think like that's basically that's material. Alan Wilder. You know, he was <laughs> yeah. the he was the the, the mastermind. He's awesome. Yeah. I also like the recoil. You know, his project he, that he math. did afterwards. Uh, also very inspiring. Oh yeah, that stuff is great. Yeah, well, I love anybody that kind of took you know. Well, craft work was a big. I was big into craft work. I mean, I was a big fan of Prince, but I knew a lot of what Prince initially started mm-hmm. with was stuff that came from Kraftwerk. 
And then I was like really interested. And I, I got into Bowie's low period when he was in Germany. Yeah. Uh, with, you know, when they were doing all the, you know, heroes and low and all the Berlin records. And I got really like deep into like, okay, well, how were they doing that? You know, and then I was looking at the, you know, the Mogs and the Arps and, and you know, and the Jupiters and Jupiter 4s and Jupiter 6s that they were using. And that's why I kind of got into electronic music was I, I was a hardware guy. I was always into like, Oh, mm-hmm. the you know Duran Duran's using a Jupiter Eight, or this band's using a Prophet Five, or this band's using a, a, an OB, an, an OBX. You know, I was I was into like what synth are they using? Mm-hmm, exactly. And then I go try to find it. <laughs> you know, um, and because oh, I'm yeah. a programmer, so I had the money to go find them. <laughs> but but I would go find them, and it's like okay, well that's how this these sounds are because some like it's weird. Some synthesizers are like guitars. Like, like you go find, like, if you're a guitar mm-hmm. player and you say, well, 55 Les Paul or, or Rickenbacker, you know, and certain model modes have different characteristics. Like a, a 74 Model mm-hmm. D sounds different than a 72. And you, like, they're the same model, but they don't sound the same. And then if you find them, you can use them like that. Um, and that's what I found is like, okay, we get these classic synths, they actually all sound different. Um, and it gives you a tone that you can't get. Um, and, and it just because they, they age, they act different, they have different capabilities. So, yeah, it was just something I was really drawn into oh, yes. the uniqueness of the certain yeah. hardware and how you could use that. Yeah. So, uh, for example, recently I bought really the two weeks ago, three weeks ago, I bought Yamaha Reface CS. So, the remake of the cs yeah what? and because i really yeah, i like to model the sound you know with my hands and uh it's just it's it's such a pleasure you know and i i this is why i'm talking about coming back to songwriting because i manage i think to write already four songs and i'm i come up with lyrics and i can't and you know that dispute is suddenly there <laughs> so uh, i'm really surprised how just you know to be with the right instrument uh can influence that yeah that's what i found yeah i found that like you know there was a period of time that was weird like uh, since initially had all these controls on them and then you get to like the late 90s and suddenly they start making mm-hmm. them like the dx7 which doesn't have it and then a lot of things end up losing the knob mm-hmm. per function what they call it is like knob per function so 1960s and 70s even up to the 80s synthesizers all have knob per function which means that you can actually play them like a Hammond organ which means that you can actually fool around with the sliders while you're playing mm-hmm. and actually use it as part of the instrument and that's one of the great things about like a Jupiter 8 or a, a Roland D50 or you know the Mo- mini modes what's famous about them is the fact that you can play with the filter while you play in the keys and use it like a pitch bend you know, you can use the resonance, you can use those, all the dials, all the sliders can be used as musical aspects. So when you play, you can get a very unique sound. Like if you're soloing on a mini mode and you use all the capabilities of what the mini mode can do, you're not just using the pitch bender. You can use, you know, the LFO, you can use the resonance, you can use the mixing the oscillators together to create you know, really interesting sounds. It sounds kind of like you're pen- you're doing modulation while you're doing the solo, and and that is nothing you can yes, you can't really yes. replace that with a MIDI keyboard because you can't do it. 
I mean, unless you put automations yeah. into it, but even then you're not controlling it real time, like what you can do with a hardware sense. And I, I've always kind of tell your younger generation, they said, well, I can do everything <laughs> on my baby. And like, not exactly. <laughs> um, not that, you know, it's good, cool that people have access to stuff, but having a real mini mode, it's kind of hard to like, you can't really do on a MIDI keyboard what you can do on a real mini mode. Yeah. And you can try to Yeah, it's you interesting that uh, after some years <laughs> of, of, you know, doing just everything in the computer, I'm, I come to the conclusion, it's not that I think it's better. I just think that I'm in a, I, I find the quality in it, you know, to make music this way. Yeah, I mean, I can use a hard, yeah, I mean, I, it, there's a, there's a use for doing Ableton. There's a use for using a DAW. There's a lot of things I can do in the DAW. Yeah, that, yeah, fine. That's cool. And I use it as a tool. Like George Martin used the studio as a tool. You can use your DAW as a tool, and you can use your DAW as an instrument. But 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 it's always good to have a real guitar. It's always good to have a real bass or a real drum or a, a hardware synth because there's some things that you can do that will add to the song. You know. And so I think that's it's the kind of like you take everything that's out there and there's some things that are good and they're bad or better or, or, or maybe different. And, and if you can take it all and use it all where, where it needs it, then you can service oh, the yes. song with whatever oh, it yeah. needs. <laughs> um, you asked me about Berlin and, and uh, the community. So, yeah, I think um, I wanted still to come back to this and like to say something about the modern times that, that uh, so in Munich, I feel there are, um, there's the club culture, there are the, you know, fresh uh, young collectives, uh, but they're more like, I, from my perspective, like more DJ uh, and party, a yeah, party, really party is, is, is DJ really or here. DJ. something that, yeah. Um, and in Berlin, it's of course, different. there's, I think there's more experimental vibe. I also have uh, some friends in, in Berlin and I, I feel, you know, that there's much more going on and there are always some cool festivals like Every week you can go to some very interesting, you know, event or learn something or take part in a workshop. I think it's, this is really cool. And now this weekend there was a um, Ableton Loop, uh, let's say, conference. I mean, normally it would uh, happen, uh, obviously, in Berlin. And uh, I have my ticket yeah. and it's waiting for the next year. So I'm really happy for the next year. Was that the super booth? Is that that super booth that happened? Yeah, yeah, in, yeah. Like, it's they, they, this year actually they would happen in the same time. Yeah. So I was very also like, oh come on. I mean, I'm not that uh, not into modular synthesis, but uh, I wanted to see also super booth, and uh, it mm -hmm. was planned actually at the same time in the same time. So, uh, but now both had to go online. And yeah. yeah. Yeah, I saw they yeah, did a home yeah, edition exactly. for Super and Loop uh, made also like a um, Loop at Home edition, and they had the challenge every day. And I managed to yeah. do the first challenge uh, on Friday, and it was so much fun. I posted the video on Instagram, also on YouTube, and this is this is you know this was so cool because they actually uh, like for me uh, the whole you know all the people around Loop and Ableton are very creative and people who visit Loop there are people who are interested in field recordings yeah, yeah. In, in, in found sounds in you know trans you know transforming the sound uh, looking for new new sounds or new possibilities how to you know 
how to experiment and that community is very yeah. very positive so i feel you know i feel at home always there <laughs> uh, i i've been to loop uh, in 2017 then unfortunately 2018 i couldn't uh, that mm -hmm. was the la edition i guess but yeah it was i think they made a good decision like to yeah, let yeah. it for 2019 and then everybody was waiting for for this year but yeah so but even then you know when there were these online yeah. challenges uh you could see how people come together how they want to work together how they want to collaborate and people did that and it was this is really such a good energy yeah so uh... yeah i love i love doing collaborations i've actually collaborated a couple of times doing like long distance collaborations with other musicians, I actually put a record mm -hmm. out with a woman from LA that was an actress that actually used FL Studio because um, she's an actor. That's her primary task, but she loves doing electronic music. So she had this alter ego called mm -hmm. Alt Control K, from, from different from her acting. And um, she, we put together a record and we just had Skype meetings mm. and, yeah, and, of course. and sent files back and forth through Google Drive. <laughs> <laughs> And, 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 you know, she did her vocals and then I'd, we'd have a meeting and I'd listen to her vocal and we said, we'll tweak this. And she, mm -hmm. later she'd, <laughs> and she'd put it in that video, run an effect on it, something I did on a Moog. And, you know, there's a lot, here are some bands saying, well, I can't do anything until I get to the recording studio. But three years ago, I did that album without going to the recording studio. I did, it, we did it from our own home studios. And, and then we sent mm -hmm, it mm -hmm. on to get mastered. But, there's a lot of stuff you can do today. It depends on, you know, some people yeah. want things to be at a certain level. And so then they, they have to go to a recording studio. But the technology is getting such, do pretty good level recording if you're willing to be like, you know, indie alternative artist that's willing to put it out. Um, you can still get your vision out, you know. Yes, maybe. yes. So I think people should, shouldn't be dissuaded from working on their projects. Um, you, might not, you might not be exactly what you wanted before this happened but you could still get it out to people and it would sound not bad um and so people i think have to be willing to look at that but you know every artist is different they want a certain level of stuff to be done but um yes, it's great to have course. you on on, on the sh on the program um we we probably getting too close to our, our match time now but we love talking to you. We love what you're doing. We're going to put all the links that you gave us onto the um, podcast so people can click on all the projects that you're working on with your link tree and your Instagram and your Spotify and every and your production company, which we didn't talk about. Maybe we'll talk about that before we close out. Your production company, we want to talk about what you do there. Oh, yeah. So I uh, so unfortunate because all comes uh, to this time now, <laughs> Corona. So it's my um, it's like a, a small studio. And I started uh, like with some little branding uh, job, uh, which I had in 2018. And then I thought, wow, this is something. And I even did like a small entrepreneurship course, uh, you know, to 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 get the stuff going. And this year was supposed to be the year when I really go full time with this. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and Corona happened. So, oh yeah, so you can't put on hold now. You gotta wait. Yes, yeah, because you know, I was like, I'm gonna build a portfolio on this. I'm doing. I'm, I have a lot to do. I have to 
you know put together the the reel the composer's reel and and this branding reel i have some more material to put, put put on the website and then you know the next step is to approach companies and to make contacts and go you know meet meet people yeah. and that is just not possible now yeah, yeah and everything, everything is, is on hold yeah the whole yeah. film industry tv maybe but uh, i think it's all on hold so yeah and the good the, the wonderful thing that happened with that is that um at, in march i did a sound walk so this is this let's say sound uh, kind of exploration, sound, sound well, research, okay. sound art. You're able to do that. You're still able to do that without having to meet people. Yeah, physically. yeah, and that was a like a project um, that was incorporated in Munich Creative Business Week. So uh, that was really my like a small, I could say, small success. But you know, uh, just very open people uh who organized the whole conference it's more like a design conference but they also invite film industry so i thought like audio you know and sound is also part of it and they were very open to to that project That's so cool. yeah so then also on the website of, of foundways and also on my website uh i put everything on bandcamp this is how people could stream the the tracks and could go for a walk. And the whole walk is described on the website. And I actually, I think I did a video. This is again something that I have to do. Like I want now, especially now when people cannot go out, I have to put yeah. together this video and like to give them like a little experience of the sound walk with the video, you know, that they can that's cool. look on, watch yeah, on YouTube. It's cool that you're able to still find ways to, um, you know, put your projects together that you're trying to have an income stream on and you know that's what I've, I've been doing as an artist i kind of branched into this podcast mm -hmm. to be able to do <laughs> something other than my own art um that actually still is in in the art space uh and i've been i've been working on um you know collaborations and um you know sync licensing which is what, what you're oh, doing yeah. with your company oh yes it's like i actually have some like a gig i'm gonna ready to work on an album I got, you know, selected to be like somebody working on a production for this album that I got selected for. I can't say who it is, but, you know, I'm a musician, so I, I'll, I'll play. If somebody tells me, well, they need bass lines or they need pads or they need something, then I, then I do that. And so when you're an electronic musician, it's easier to do that mm -hmm. because you, you can just go in, onto your Vogue or go onto your, your hardware synth and you can just do it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> true. Know? And you don't have to go to the studio because the hardware synth, you know, if I put it into a good capture mechanism, I don't have to be in a studio to get 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 it captured. Um, you know, if I have the right equipment, and, and I've kind of built it over the years to have some equipment that I have the bare minimum that I can do to get it into that space. Um, and so, yeah, there's a lot of things I've been telling other bands. You know, you got to look into what you can do and what you know versus what you can't do. Mm -hmm. um, but there's, you know, because we don't know how long we're going to be in this scenario. Uh, you know, if you look at what happened in 1918, there were like three waves uh, of these things. Yes. Since we haven't had one since then. So people have to be kind of prepared potentially for the long haul. So it's good to kind of invest in yourself and invest in your capabilities of what you can do. Absolutely. You have, a, you send a very good question here um, among the questions, uh, you know, that I got from you is that, you know, the future of music, like the music industry. And it's been told so often that like in the music industry, we have to be like, unless we are, you know, pop stars and we get millions, yeah, yeah. we have to do so many things. 
so you know things like teaching and this this is what i'm doing also you know teaching uh, or you know doing workshops um uh, doing yeah creative work but also commercial work uh, on many many different levels sometimes more technical sometimes only editing sometimes yeah you know, yeah and, just become a, yeah, a recording engineer or become somebody's like producer or finisher yeah and yeah. you actually you know finish somebody's project by adding you know more depth to it or sound processing because you've got like a tool that somebody wants you know that you have like i got a spring reverb a real spring reverb from a moog that people don't have access to and that can actually run somebody's music run a vocal through it mm -hmm. And then when I give it to them back, it's like it, I, I gave them a service of giving them that capability that they didn't have access to. So there's all kinds of things you can do in the new economy or this new Corona, you know, post-Corona or in the middle of Corona. Like, well, how are you going to, as an artist, if you can't do the gig, if you can't go out and, 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 and go to the venue, we have to find out the ways of doing things. And so that's like where we are right now. And the problem, well, I think the other issue, I think, is the online streaming services are great and it gets you out there, but we don't get enough compensation to survive. Yeah, absolutely. So so the only way we survive is, is our side gigs or a lot of bands I know that I've interviewed in the last three years is like physical shows are how they survived. Yes. And without being able to go in their van and travel around the U.S. or travel around Europe, they have a hard time paying the bills. And so... Some 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 um, like Spotify just put a like a donation button on profiles for artists that are verified. Um, so now people can get donations. You know, so if people have their favorite brand and you have that set up, you can actually donate through PayPal or Cash App or whatever to your favorite band. There's a button. SoundCloud's doing the same yeah. thing. Uh, I think all of the services are realizing that artists are kind of strapped for cash. And they're starting to make it so that we can have other ways yeah. of, of getting income. <laughs> yes, that's true. But um, yeah, I, it seems like also many people use Patreon and, you know, on a regular basis. Yeah. And I, I think it's really cool. I think this is something we will be also looking into. Um, yeah, with the, with the new projects. Um, yeah, but that's the reality. You know? We cannot, we can't, we can't just do one thing anymore. No, yeah, you got to be able to diversify. And, you know, and the thing is, like, I think it, artists like ourselves that do a lot of things are kind of multimedia. Yeah. Um, like, an electronic musician is kind of better situated to work on a soundtrack, to work on a film, to work with an organization like a newspaper or a TV, than like a punk rock mm -hmm. band. They kind of like, kind of, kind of, if you're in a limited niche, you might have limited appeal if you don't open up to other capabilities. Like, if you're, if you're a musician, where you maybe you could play other types of music, maybe that's not what you want to do, but you might have to. Yeah. Um, so I think that's where we're kind of putting ourselves now. Is like sometimes you're gonna have to think out of the box a little. Yeah, and to re re, re like find yourself new, define yourself in this new reality. Mm. Yes. Well, it's great talking to you. I, I I enjoyed it very much. We tend to have ours come back on. So, so like if you have another project that's ready uh, to be discussed, we can we can talk to you again in a couple of months or you know next year whenever you're ready. Uh, we've had people come on three four times um, if they have something new to say. So we're gonna put this out and we'll send you the links and we we really much uh, very appreciate 
you taking the time to talk to Fam Electric Ghost and hope your fans um, check out all the links we're going to put on this episode. And, uh, you know, stay safe, stay, stay, stay in good, good health and spirits during this Corona thing. And um, we hope to talk to you again in the future. Thank you so much. It's, it was lovely talking to you. And uh, I have impression that I could talk so much more, <laughs> that we would have so many subjects that we could uh, touch on. And I have to say, I'm re I really enjoy the, the historical aspect that you always bring to your podcasts. That, uh, you know, oh, there's always you. this, you know, brilliant, you know, history of, of the good pop music. So, to... um, yeah, I always enjoy that. <laughs> well, I'm a fan as much of it being a music musician. I'm kind of like a music historical, uh, like I love the history of music, you know, going back to Lead Belly, going back to, you know, Appalachian Hillbilly music. You know, my grandpa was born in West Virginia. And he had a banjo and you know a fiddle and I would I would I was always I got drawn to that kind of Americana but I also like the blues in Louisiana and, and you know in Delta you know you know R and B and blues and so I I you know to funk and heavy metal I'm, I'm into everything mm -hmm. and so I, I I think all music has value and you know whether it's hip hop or rap or EDM or trance or glitch wave and I meant anything that's cool or, or good, it has something that I'll, I'll, I'll listen to it and I'll get into it and figure out where it came from. So that's that's my my own personal curiosity. But thank you for noticing. Yeah, me. absolutely. <laughs> this is, is a big value. Thank you so much. Okay. Thank you. Have a good. I don't know if it's, it's nighttime there now. Uh, yeah, it's like eight o'clock. Uh, nine o'clock. It's, it's already evening. Nine o'clock. Okay. Yes. Well, have a good night. Stay healthy and good night. <laughs> Thank you. Bye. Bye.